And as soon as God gave me these phrases, I knew he was giving them to me to share with you this morning. And it's interesting because now as I look at these three phrases, these have put into clarity the journey that God has been taking me on over the last few months. Back at the start of September, I went on retreat for a couple of days. And during that time, I said to God, God, I'm fed up of talking about being a follower of you, but not really living out the life that I see in the Bible. I'm fed up of being that person that stands in the front of a stage in front of people and saying that I love you and that I want to follow you, but yet still living a life that isn't fully what I read in Scripture. I cried out in this place in Huddersfield saying to God, God, I want to become more like you. What does that mean? What does that look like? And since then, God has been inviting me on a journey to become more like him. And it has involved these three stages. Be still be refined, and be transformed. And as these three phrases have resonated with me over the last few weeks and have put into words the journey that I feel like God has taken me on, I believe that God wants to invite every single one of us in this room on that journey too. So the first phrase that God has given me to share with you this morning is be still. If we want to become more like Jesus, we have to learn how to be still. Now, we live in a culture, society, where being still is fairly difficult. Now, of course, every single one of us here in this room have complete control over our life. We have complete control over our diary, over our time. But the world we live in is busy and is only getting busier. So the thought of hearing be still this morning for some of us in this room might not necessarily be an exciting start to the talk. But I think it should be. Because it's in the stillness where God does so much in our lives. But because we live in such a fast-paced world, we so often miss what he's doing. And we don't always allow ourselves the time to fully engage with him that he so desperately wants. And this morning, I feel like he's inviting us to be still with him. Now, being still isn't something that's always come naturally to me. You can probably tell already by the amount that I'm pacing around up and down the stage. And when I was younger, and hopefully I won't get my mum in trouble by saying this because I'm of a certain age now that she can't get arrested, my mum used to lock me in a room by myself. I used to be so hyperactive that when I used to go, my mum used to go and see my auntie Carolyn, um, I would go into my auntie Carolyn's kitchen cupboard and basically throw out all the tins and the cans and all of the stuff from her cupboards to the point where my auntie Carolyn and my mum just couldn't cope with how active I was to the point where they would lock me in a separate room just to get a moment's peace and quiet. That's how active I was as a child. And even now still, I'm relatively active. But what I mean in this instance about being still isn't just about stopping what you're doing and being completely still. You can go for a run and be still with God. You can be at the cinema and be still with God. It depends from person to person, personality to personality, what being still with God looks like. Being still before God means silencing the noise around you and allowing the voice of the Father to become clear again, where previously it's been drowned out by everything else around you that we've allowed to take priority over him. It's in the stillness where that noise falls away and allows us to just be with our Father with no distractions. And it's in that moment of no distractions where he reminds us of who he is again. And every time we're still before him, our perspective on everything changes. 
our fears, our worries, and the stuff of life that we carry around with us melt away because in that moment of stillness, we begin to hear his voice again. He begins to remind us that he is bigger than our situations. He begins to remind us that he is bigger than our circumstances. In Psalm 46, 10, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. It's in the stillness where we know that he is God. It's in the stillness where we know that he is in control. It's in the stillness that we know that apart from him, we can do nothing. But it often takes us to be still to remind ourselves of who he is. And that's why I think this morning God wants to encourage us to think about how often we still ourselves before him. And how important it is to be a part, how important is a part of the journey of becoming more like him. So how often do you give yourself time to be still before God? How often do you unconsciously plug, unplug yourself from the busyness that so easily distracts us? It might just look like not scrolling through your phone at lunchtime. It might just mean reflecting on the goodness of God as you wash up or brush your teeth in the morning. What could it look like for you? We see in the life of Jesus how important being still and taking time away with the Father was. Away from the distractions of everything else around him. He needed those times to pray, to meditate, and times just to sit and just chat and be with the Father just like we do. And just as we're going to see the guys being baptized this morning in front of us, we see at the end of Matthew 3 that Jesus is baptized And as he comes out of the water, heavens opens and the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus. And God speaks his identity over his Son. In verse 17, God says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then straight after that, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And he then spends the next 40 days fasting and 40 nights fasting and being still with his Father. Now, did Jesus know what he was going into the wilderness to do? Did Jesus know that he was going into the wilderness to be tempted? Honestly, I do not know. But there was clearly something significant happening. This was clearly a significant time. He clearly knew something significant was going to happen. Something important was to come. And the thing that he chose to do to prepare for it was to be still and be with his father. We can't underestimate the importance of stillness and what it brings to our lives. My wife Katie and I, or my wife Katie recently turned 30, and we went away uh, for the week to celebrate. And uh, we went away to the, um, the Scottish Highlands. And I really wanted to go somewhere hot, preferably somewhere where I could go and play golf. I was hoping to go to the Canary Islands. I had a fantastic golfing holiday there a couple of years ago. I was hoping to tempt Katie back there. But unfortunately, she really wanted to go to the Scottish Highlands. And as it was her birthday, we decided to go to the Highlands. And to be honest with you, I was quite put out. I I wasn't particularly excited about going to the Highlands or having a UK holiday in the middle of October. You know, it's not probably one of the nicest places to go to in the UK in, in October. Cold, wet, windy. Not my idea of a fun holiday. But anyway, we went. And the drive up through Scotland was incredible. We drove through Loch Lomond, and it was breathtaking moment of beauty and stillness and peace. 
and all of my frustration, my tiredness from the drive that I was carrying, all the different disappointment that I was carrying through the journey, it all just started to disappear. The lack of noise was amazing. And it was like in that moment, as I looked at the beauty at what was in front of me, everything else that was in my mind, all of the noise of life that I had prioritized over being still just vanished. And I was so struck by what was in front of me. I had one of those deep breath moments, as I like to call them. One of those moments where you just go, <sighs> where everything just feels okay. And that, for me, what it's truly like being still with God. The noise of the world vanishes, and all we see and hear is him standing in front of us. Us in awestruck wonder of his beauty that we hadn't previously seen because of everything else being in the way. God says, be still and know that I am God. God also uses the time of stillness to draw us into deeper and more intimate relationship with him. You know, he's always inviting us to be still with him. He's incredibly jealous for us and for our time. He is desperately pursuing relationship with you. Whether you know Jesus in this room or not this morning, right now, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that you know the fact that Jesus loves you and he's desperately pursuing you, whether you know him or not. Don't ever doubt that. Zephaniah 3.17 says that God rejoices over you with singing. Every single person in this room right now, you are the apple of God's eye. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you on the cross so that you may be set free from the things that hold you back from being who you are meant to be. Being still with God is one of the main places where intimacy between us and the Father grows. That is why being still with God is so incredibly important. Think of any relationship. If we want to grow in a relationship with someone, it requires a multitude of things. But just to name a few things, it requires time, it requires sacrifice, energy, love, commitment. And it's the same with our relationship with God. He is giving us all of these things in abundance. But will we give him our being? Will we give him our stillness, our time? So that in return he can pour out our love upon us. We so desperately need his love. But will we give him the time of day so that he may pour out his love upon us? Be still and know that I am God. The second phrase I felt God give me was be refined. Simply put, refinement is the process where God shows us the things in our lives that, don't, that aren't of him. The stuff that isn't good for us. And, pure, and he wants to purify us for his glory. And sometimes refinement can be an incredibly hard process. But the end result far outweighs the journey that we have to go through to get there. And when we spend time being still with God, he often reveals to us the areas of our lives that don't glorify him. Because he loves us and he wants the best for us. Now we don't have to deal with these things. You know, we can, if God can bring up stuff in our lives, he can show us the things that aren't quite good for us. He can show us the things that don't reveal his glory uh, in our lives. And we can just keep them inside and that's okay. The Father will love us just the same if we do nothing about them. But because God loves us so much, 
he will keep pointing them out to us because he is so desperate to basically make us the best that we can be. He will not leave us in a state of despair. He will not leave us in a state where we carry all of this weight inside of us because he is so desperately in love with us that he wants to tackle all of the things that slow us down, all of the things that don't reveal his glory. He is desperately always trying to bring refinement in our lives. He loves us too much to leave us as we are. We are his masterpiece. And over time, as we have turned our back on him, or if we have chosen to do things differently to the way that he wants us to live out our life, we've added things to that masterpiece. And we've tainted it. And he wants to mold us back into his original masterpiece for his glory. But, but this molding means that we have to go on this journey of refinement. It means that he has to take the bits off of his masterpiece that we have put on by living the way that we've lived out our life. And in the Bible, fire is sometimes used as an image of destruction. And God's refining process often feels like we're in the fire. However, fire in the Bible also symbolizes passion, power, and purity. And these are also other things that the refinement process is how God describes the refinement process. It's God's power, his, his passion to see us change and how he wants to purify us. Being in the refining fire is not comfortable, but it has a good purpose. It's often in the difficult times of our lives where we are refined and we discover who we really are. Charles Spurgeon, an amazing leader, says this, I owe more to the fire and the hammer and the file than to anything else in my Lord's workshop. The journey of refinement is often long, it's often painful, because it requires us to surrender. It requires us to lay down control, to lay down our own agendas, our own hopes and dreams. And we have to trust and we have to be still and know that he is God. And right now, for me personally, I'm on this part of the journey. I'm in the refinement part of the journey. Honestly, it's incredibly hard. It's incredibly painful. But I know that God is turning up the heat in my life to take out the imperfections, to mold me into his image And if we honestly want to become more like him, then this is the journey that we have to be willing to go on time and time again. Where is God refining you at the moment? Is God revealing an area even now where he wants to bring refinement in your life? There's a beautiful story that I found as I was writing this talk of a woman who goes to a silversmith to watch the process of refining silver. And I want to read it to you. And as you listen to this story, I want you to hear how you can see the Father and us in this story. Us as the silver and God the Father as the silversmith. As she watched the silversmith, he held a piece of silver in the fire and let it heat up. He explained that in the, refi- in the process of refining silver, one needed to hold the silver in the middle of the fire where the flames were hottest as to burn away all of the impurities. The woman thought about God holding us in such a hot spot. Then she, then she thought again about the verse that says, he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. She asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time the silver was being refined. The man answered that yes, he had not only had to sit there holding the silver, but that he had to keep his eye on the silver the entire time it was in the fire. It was the, if the silver was left a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman was silent for a moment. Then she asked the silversmith, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and answered, 
that's easy. When I fully see my image in the silver, that's when I know that the silver is fully refined. Isn't that such a beautiful story and image of the journey that God takes us on in his refining process? Remember this quote from earlier, Charles Spurgeon? I owe more to the fire and the hammer and the file than to anything else in my Lord's workshop. We have a choice to make whether we want to engage with the journey that God sets out before us. Being in the middle of the fire sounds painful and scary. And do you know what? Sometimes it really is. But it's what's necessary for God to carry out the work in us, to bring about the transformation in us that he so desperately wants to see in us. You know, we can talk the talk, we can read the books, we can go to the conferences, we can sing the songs all day long. We can say to people all day long we want to become more like him. But the honest truth is, to become more like him, we have to go on a journey of refinement. And at every point, God will always take us on that journey if we want to go on it. But it always requires us to say yes to that journey of refinement. Hebrews 12, 1-2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race marked before us with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He invites you, when he invites you into a season of refinement, and he will because he wants the best for you, don't run away from it. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Allow him to get rid of the things that hinder you. Say yes to the fire, the hammer, and the file. Run the race marked with perseverance in front of you. Say yes to the journey of purification, no matter the cost. Because like with the the process of refining silver, what you will end up with is something of a, you will end up with a transformed state. You will become more like him if you stick the course. And he will be with you every step of the way. He won't leave you a moment too long in the fire to be destroyed. He will leave you in there just long enough so you look more like him. And finally, the third phrase that God gave me was be transformed. When we are still with God and we allow God to refine us, transformation is always the end result. And in the original Greek language of the New Testament, Transformation, um, the word for transformation is metamorphosis. And the biological definition for metamorphosis is, um, according to the dictionary, is a profound change in form from one state to the next in the life history of an organism. And Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image. And with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. The journey of transformation looks like us moving from one degree of glory to the next. Little by little into the image of Jesus. And for most of us though, the journey of transformation doesn't just stick after a time of refinement. Sure, we begin to see the fruit. We begin to see how our lives have entered into a new realm of freedom. From what was holding us back before. We have moved from one degree of glory to the next. But to see transformation, to see transformation that lasts the test of time, we have to daily choose to walk it out. We have to play our part in our transformation. And Romans 12, 2 says this, do not, com- do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. 
And although we come out of a period of refinement with the Father helping us deal with the issues of our lives, we have to choose to continue to walk in the healing and the learning we've received from him during that time. And if we don't, then more than likely we'll slip back into the old patterns, the old way of thinking, and we'll be start all over again. We need to change the way that we think, not letting the old affect the new way of thinking. With the help of the Father, we have to maintain that transformation. Transformation is like getting fit. You can do all the hard work, you can eat well, you can go for runs and do whatever exercise helps you get fit. If you do that for long enough, you'll get fitter and fitter. But if life then gets busier and you don't have as much time to exercise and you stop eating well, after a while the level of fitness will begin to drop and you'll notice that you weren't as fit as, once you, as what you once were. And that's exactly what being, trans, like being transformed is like. It comes at a cost, choosing to daily walk out the journey that you've been on. But the cost of transformation is worth it because transformation in this context of what we are talking about is becoming more like Jesus. And as we become more like Jesus, I believe it will affect the people around us. I believe it will affect our city. And that's God's invitation to us this morning. And the guys that are going to stand up in front of us this morning are going to be sharing with you their journey with God. Every single one of us in this room is very different. But the one thing that still remains throughout is that God is love. And that he loves us. So know this this morning, whether you sit in this room or not as a follower of Jesus, doesn't really matter. It's not about where you start, it's about where you finish. God loves you and he invites you into an intimate relationship with him. Where he wants to make all the noise of the world around you disappear. So he can tell you how much he loves you. He wants to tell you what's on his heart and he wants to heal the hurts and the pains that you're feeling. He wants to take you on a journey of refinement where he gets rid of all the things in your life that he knows that aren't good for you. And sometimes that can be a painful journey, but his promise to you is that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And finally, God wants us to walk in transformation. Not something that will be momentary, but something that will last a test of time. So we're going to respond a little bit later on as we're going to go into our baptisms now. But before we move on, I want us to take a moment just to be still with God. That is the start of the journey that we've been talking about. It starts with being still with him. So before we move on, let's take a moment or two to be still with him. Let's choose to close our eyes. Let's still our minds. And let Jesus draw near to us as we draw near to him.